Kopitar shorthanded to Kopitar! Stopped by DeSmith! Kopitar got it back, and he scores! This is an All the Kingsman post-game podcast. Kopitar, Leipzig arrives. Kopitar shot in a stick. Got it right to the blade of Dumoulin. In front is Leipzig, who scores! That took two deflections! Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. Given that the Kings got a big win at home against a tough opponent, our postgame conversation got a little gloomy. I'm not really sure what to make of it, but uh, certainly you can blame it on me. Dr. Hockey and Jack Jablonski did their level best, but sometimes... Um, sometimes I just lean too hard into the dark side. What can I say? Um, speaking of which, it's time for this week in King's history with Mike Camito. Welcome back, Mike. How are you doing? Doing well, Jesse. How about you? I'm excellent. Did you have a good week? Oh, it's been pretty good. It's been a little crazy, but, uh, uh looking forward to the weekend. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, so what have you got for us this week in King's history? So this week in King's history, we're going back to January 10th, uh, 1996. Sean O'Donnell scored his first goal, his first NHL goal, that is. So the first as a member of the Kings against the Maple Leafs. Uh, And again, I just want to let the listeners know that you picked this topic because I should also note that Sean O'Donnell played three seasons for the Sudbury Wolves, uh, which I am the team historian for. So again, this is just a happy coincidence (laughs) that you picked uh, big Sean O'Donnell. Yeah, well, Sean O'Donnell is a player that um, had two stints with the Kings and, you know, I would argue was an exponentially better player the second time around. Not that there was anything wrong with his game the first time around, but that's what happens as players age. They gain wisdom and experience um, and now works for the Kings on the development staff and previously had worked on the TV side uh, of the mm-hmm. operation, which is where I got a chance to work with him. And I have really come to admire his mind for the game and his ability to communicate the game. So when I was flipping through uh, the dates, yeah, and I saw Sean O'Donnell's first goal, and they even mentioned it uh, Thursday night at Staples Center mm-hmm. on the board. Thursday night was January 10th, and that was that was that day in King's history. So I mean, it it was a you know not an insignificant moment, uh, I would argue for uh, for Kings fans. Uh, I remember there's some confusion on whether the goal was mine or not. Um, it was in Toronto. The shot from the point, again, I hope I'm right on this, um, it was a long time ago, and, and it went off something in front, and we scored, and I was excited, and I came in, and I, I was asking guys, did someone touch that? It was our guy or your guy that touched it, and I asked Dimitri Kristic at the time, and, you know, he, he he never really got a good read on what he was thinking or saying. He didn't really say much, just shrugged his shoulders, so I really didn't know it was my goal until I got back to the bench afterwards. No, no, certainly. And I think a lot of Kings fans, you know, who would have grown up or who, not grown up, but who would have watched him in that era. I think he certainly made a, pre- a name for himself on the Kings uh, roster at that time. Again, he was a he was a big guy, 6'3", 225. I mean, even looking back, I was looking at the Wolves. You know, he was playing for the Wolves uh, in his junior career. He was still huge back then, right? Again, like 6'3", 215 at he's that still, age. He's still huge. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, a big I, guy. Still, I still imagine he's a pretty intimidating looking guy. But he yeah, is. over the course of his career with the Kings, you know, he scored 71 points. But I think the, the bigger total is the 799 penalty minutes mm-hmm. uh, over, over the course of that time as well. Right. So certainly made his uh, his presence known and uh, when he patrolled the blue line. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I wondered when I was looking at this was when in his career did that first goal come? 
because he's not known, uh, obviously, as a goal scorer. 31 goals over the course of a 20-year career almost. Um, mm-hmm. He played 15 games in 94-95, and then, you know, that first goal comes halfway through 95-96. I think of the, 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 the first season because it was 15 games, uh, but again, there was only 48 games that year, so... I like to, uh, uh, what do you call that there when you, when you put it out where it's as if it was an 82-game schedule. Uh, I played about a third of the game. So I'm going to give myself that as my first season. Uh, but then obviously the next year I think I played 70 or 71 games. So that was my first full season. But uh, I still like to count that I think it was 95-96 or 94-95 season as a season. Which was a turbulent year for the Kings franchise, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, <clears throat> I was looking at, uh, at the, uh, the box, the box score for the game. And, you know, we've mentioned this before, but you go through and you look at some of the names that show up on these things and just a real, um, trip down memory lane <laughs> for, mm-hmm. for Kings fans. Yeah. And it's certainly because they were playing the Leafs that night too. Right. I think the, the rumors at that point were already, you know, picking up some, some significant steam as to where Gretzky was going to go. Um, mm-hmm. We know that obviously a, a, a little over a month later he gets traded to the Blues. Uh, but certainly around that time, there's the you know, whispers that maybe uh, you know Gretzky, who was you know from Brantford, and you know the Leafs or the Kings are playing the Leafs, so you know Toronto, Toronto's not that far off. And so you know where you know where's he going to land? Uh, you know, so the writing was kind of on the wall at that point. Obviously that uh, you know things were going to change, um, but but certainly uh, an interesting game to kind of look back on and see where he made his mark because. You know, he he was drafted by the Sabres in 91. Uh, he never really fully made, uh, became a full-time NHLer at that point. Gets traded to Los Angeles in 1994 for Doug Huda. And then at that point, you know, with the Kings kind of uh, really at that point establishes himself as an NHLer, uh, you know, for the rest of his career. That may have been one of the best trades ever made just by virtue of the fact that they got something for Doug Huda. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was a period of time where uh, the team... Uh, struggled <laughs> to get mm-hmm. uh, quality players. I mean, and, and to the point I made earlier about looking at the uh, the box score, I think this. If I give you these names, this will give you sort of a perfect window into where the team was at the time. Yeah, that was uh, probably a month before the trade, and uh, you know, so I, I don't remember exactly who was there. I don't think we'd made the trade for the Rangers yet to get you know Matty Nordstrom and uh, uh, Nathan Lafayette and, and Ray Ferraro yet, so. I still think it was kind of that old school guys. I think Tony Granato would have been there. Uh, Marty McSorley, uh, obviously Wayne. Uh, I think we had Shane Churl at the time. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a real transition time where you had kind of the guys from the the, the King staff that, that went to the finals in '93, and they just kind of started to turn things over. So it was still kind of the old uh, the old guard. I think mostly was still there. The second goal. Scored by the Kings, assisted on by Wayne Gretzky and Tony Granado, right? Mm-hmm. Big names. Gary Shuchuk got an assist. He was part of that, um, you know, the uh, 93 Cup run team. Um, but then you also have Dimitri Christich, Kevin Todd, Stephen Finn, Eric Lacroix, Yannick Perot, <laughs> and, and, uh, and Robert Long, or Lang, depending on what point you got him in his career. So, I mean, that mm-hmm. was really just that period where they were turning over that roster. Um, and as you said, Gretzky, uh, would get traded, uh, later in that season, uh, Dimitri Christich and Robert Long assisting on, on O'Donnell's goal. Uh, 
I wouldn't say they were. <laughs> I mean, Kristich had his moments, and Long certainly had a good career. Lang, uh, again, mm-hmm. depending on what <laughs> what point you got him in his career. Um, but yeah, just a really uh, a, a a first goal in the midst of a, of a huge franchise transition. Yeah, and I, we should also note that he did. O'Donnell did make the game pretty interesting. By that point, the Kings were trailing five three with less than three minutes remaining in the third period. But he did score, you know, at the fifteen uh, just before the sixteen minute mark to make it five four. Ultimately, the Kings couldn't uh, add another one to tie the game up, and they ended up losing uh, in, re- in regulation. But still. Would have made things a little more exciting as the uh, kind of came to an end. I mean, it's always nice. It was the old Maple Leaf Garden, so that was kind of cool. But again, it's uh, I feel like I was kind of denied that celebration on the ice because when you're sitting down on the bench and you realize you scored your first goal, it's not quite the same as when you're actually on the ice and you can re- you know react with your teammates. But uh, hey, nonetheless, it was still in, in uh, the old Toronto uh, uh, Maple Leaf Garden, so that was pretty cool. And I know that you love how small the the hockey world is, so I wanted mm-hmm. to throw this one in there as well. Do we have another uh, cameo? So, <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a couple more cameos here. So he he does end up his time with the Kings comes to an end when he's claimed by the Minnesota Wild uh, in that 2000 expansion draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's later that following season he's traded to New Jersey, and New Jersey gets back Willie Mitchell, who eventually signs with the Kings as a free That's agent. Right. And under yeah. the Devils, O'Donnell plays well. Uh, under Larry Robinson's system, who was previously uh, coached the LA Kings, player for the Kings as well. And so uh, at that point, um, you know, uh, O'Donnell and, and, the, and the Devils go on a pretty long playoff run, ultimately coming up short in the final. But, uh, but so there's two cameos there, uh, you know, one previously in Kings history and one future uh, Kings Paris in Willie Mitchell that would come over later. And, of course, a black mark on O'Donnell's career, uh, <laughs> winning the Stanley Cup with the Anaheim Ducks in 2007. Yes, of course. <laughs> So that is that. That's it for this week in King's history. But um, I understand you wanted to touch on Star Wars Night, which we had last night at Staples Center. Yeah. So I thought it'd be interesting. And and again, this might be a segment that we have to chuck into the bin because it doesn't work out. But uh, <laughs> I wanted to see, you know, test your knowledge on Star Wars characters and former L.A. Kings players to see if you could identify if who I'm about to say is either a Star Wars character or an L.A. Kings character. I did this quiz last night with my wife, who is neither a Star Wars fan <laughs> or a hockey fan, and she went one for six. So wow. I think I did I did a good job kind of tricking her with a lot of those, but some of these names will probably be more familiar to you. And so, again, I encourage you, uh, you know, or I encourage the listeners to see if you can uh, yeah, play at home. follow along as well. <laughs> Let us know how you do. I, I, I'm going to say right off the bat, uh, I'm going to be embarrassed if I don't go six for six. <laughs> okay, well... It, the ball's in your court. All right. So uh, so we'll start off with uh, the first entry in this quiz is Davin Felth. Oh, that's not fair. Uh, I'm going to say a Star Wars character. Oh, you're right. So you're on the board. All right. You got one. Now, I'm, I'm not a huge I – mean, I'm a pretty big Star Wars fan, but I don't know a lot of the backstories on in the, you know, the expanded universe, all those things. But mm-hmm. Davin Felth is one of those stormtroopers who I guess has a pretty extensive backstory that's covered – uh, in the expanded universe, but again, he appeared in A New Hope. Uh, his his famous line was "Look, sir, droids." Uh, so, <laughs> so if course. you talk to a real real diehard sure, Star Wars fan, sure. they will know who that is. I would not have known that, okay. but I used uh, I used what I think I know about how Star Wars names works to uh, to make that deduction. All right, second name. Okay, Max Rebo. Oh, that's definitely Star Wars. That's the keyboard player for the band at Jabba's Palace. Oh wow. Okay, so see, I'm yeah. <laughs> It's a, little, it's a little trickier now. Yeah, you're right. He's the, he's the blue elephant-looking yeah. alien that played yeah. the, the red ball jet organ. With, so, with Sly Snoodles or whatever the name of that band is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Skip Crake. 
Oh, oh wow. Um, Skip Craig. I'm going to go ahead and say ha, Kingsplayer. Oh, you're right. All right. So so Skip Craig, his, his real name is Phil. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actually traded to L.A. from Boston for a first-round pick. The Bruins ended up using that first-round pick uh, to draft Reggie Leach. Oh, wow. Um, of course they yeah. did. Yeah, and Craig, he played a season and a half with sure, LA before he was sure. slain by Buffalo in the 1970 <laughs> expansion draft. So it could have been Reggie Leach, but uh, but nevertheless, he he is an LA Kings player. He was not a Star Wars character. Yeah, this franchise is littered with those trades, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Tim Tukey. Tim Tukey. Oh, wow. Um, Tim Tukey. I'm going to go Kings player. Oh, Jesse, you're too good. You're sucking the fun right out of the game. Yeah, he was a Kings player. He played 27 games for the Kings over parts of two seasons in the late 80s. Uh, he was a center and a role player. But, uh, yeah, he does have the Star Wars alliteration with the name. And, yeah, you know, but, the can I, and the wise help. but can I point out your fatal flaw in that one? What's that? George Lucas would never pick a name as mundane as Tim. <laughs> that yes. was ultimately the the deciding factor for me. I know I was yeah I was debating it was it was tough to kind of pick some of these but uh, Ben Quadraneros. Oh, uh, Ben Quadraneros. Ben does appear as a name in Star Wars, and Quadraneros sounds like it could be foreign, but it also sounds like it could be just too complex. I mean, Quad would be four. I'm way overthinking this. Um, <laughs> ben Quadraneros. Uh, Star Wars. You're right, yeah. Yeah. He, he, is, uh, he, was, the, he was a pod racer pilot <laughs> sure in The was. Phantom Menace. <laughs> okay. His engine, engine flies off in the race, uh-huh. uh, and he obviously doesn't complete the race. So you're, you're wait, wait, actually... hold on. Do you know, <laughs> is he the guy that has the four uh, independently uh chained engines is that like did they go over the board and call him quadraneros because he's got four yeah, that's, some... that's probably why to be honest oh, I, I have to look uh, it up now yeah you have to look it up crazy. on uh check out the phantom medicine and see what it is but uh but yeah so you're you're five and oh i have two more names here we might as well just finish them off so you can see if you how you finish here yeah uh, bart crashley a uh, hockey player Yes, All right. and see, I, I figured you might know that one, um, but I figured, you know, for the listeners that don't know some of the players from the Kings past, that might be a, a stumper, but yeah, he only played four games with the Kings, but he's significant because he was part of that trade that brought Marcel Dion to the Kings uh, from Detroit. Uh, he crashed, he spent most of his career in the WHA, he played for the LA Sharks, and he spent a lot of time uh, in the CHL as well. Just real quick... <laughs> Ben Quadraneros not only is the pilot of the uh, pod with the four uh, independent <laughs> engines, but I believe he also has four arms. <laughs> okay, see, so, yeah, there's there's no nuance with that. Uh, no, and I want I want to be perfectly clear about this. I loathe that movie, and I've <laughs> I've only seen it like twice, and the second time was I don't know, eighteen years ago, um, but that's how my that's how annoying my memory is <laughs> i remember these horrible stupid yeah. <laughs> stupid details and then i get a parking ticket because i forget that it's street sweeping day all right last name <clears throat> or is it the last name or is it how many well more? You're, you're six and oh i have two more right. one is one is fairly obvious but uh we'll let you decide what that is uh, uh kit fisto oh <laughs> that's that's... A, that's the jedi with the with the goofy tentacle hair 
Yeah, he's that, that squid-looking Jedi, yeah. you know, yeah. Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith. Again, then, only seen those movies like once or twice, and it was when they come out, and I think they're ridiculous, but for some reason, committed to memory. Well, he had he had a pretty, I mean, I kind of figured you'd get that one. His name is a little out there. It doesn't really yeah, kind of yeah. fit in with any hockey player you've heard of, but I wanted to throw this last one in there just because I feel like this one's kind of a, it's, it's too easy because it's from an era where, you know, and he was around for, for enough. Lonnie Loach. Oh, yeah, Kingsplayer. Yeah, so I mean, I knew you would have got that one, but again, the the, the alliteration is what I think, uh, you know, you, you look for that in Star Wars names, you look for a lot of odd uh, consonants uh, attached to Y's and E's and things like that, but... but no, so, Lonnie, yeah, so you, Lonnie Loach is a good Star Wars name, that one, yeah. if I didn't know for a fact that Lonnie Loach was a Kings player, I would have, that would have tripped me up, but yeah. unfortunately... I mean, I, I tried to find <laughs> some more obscure players, again, he played uh, 50 games in 1992-93, so again, a little more, a more recent, but again, he'd be, uh, he also played for the Long Beach Ice Dogs. Well, I was too, just going to so say, what you, what, you, what you couldn't have, <laughs> what you, well, you could have known, but what you... <laughs> might not have known was that yeah not only did he play for the Long Beach Ice Dogs but he also played for the Anaheim Ducks and the Ottawa Senators um my family hails from Ottawa I spent a lot of time in Ottawa during the summers and there's a very short list of players that played for the Kings and the Ducks and that list mm-hmm. gets shared amongst us uh Kings tr- trivianistas um okay when we're constantly comparing notes or putting you know putting together pieces for other people and the conversation always comes up. Who are the you know twenty five players or whatever it is that have played for both franchises? And so, <laughs> like I said, Lonnie Loach is is <laughs> locked and loaded in the in the deep corners of my brain for some horrible reason. All right, so I went. I went. What was that? Eight for eight? Yeah, you went eight. No, so I, I have to do better when we do another <laughs> one of these quizzes. I'll have to go deep, a little bit deeper, maybe pull some more obscure names. But yeah, you did well on both fronts. So or, or maybe I just need to work on rounding out my personality. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, don't worry about that. I'll, get, I'll, get, I'll come up with a harder quiz next time. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mike. We'll talk to you My next time. My pleasure. Week. Yeah, thanks. Cheers. We are here high above the ice in the Bob Miller Press Box at Staples Center. Joining me tonight, Jack Jablonski. How are you doing tonight, Jack? I'm doing well. Good to be back. And Dr. Jay Calvert, a.k.a. Dr. Hockey. How are you doing tonight, Jay? Doing great. Do I call That's you it. Jay? Do I call you Doc? What do I? Jay works. It's All awesome. Right. Uh, Jack, a huge win for the Kings over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Did you see this coming? I did not. Jay, hey. you did see it coming. <laughs> I said they were ripe for an upset, and yeah. sure enough, there it was. Now, in past games, we have said, for example, when they beat the Oilers, we all said, okay, it was the Oilers, and they didn't show up. So it was great. It was fun, but eh, nothing to get too excited about. A game like this, the Penguins are not the Oilers, and I felt like the Penguins did show up. Now, granted, mm-hmm. they played last night against the Ducks. They had a huge third period comeback, so they can be excused for not clicking on all cylinders tonight. But, Jack, what did you think of the Kings' effort tonight? It's exactly what you said. They showed up, and they looked they looked good. They looked like the energy was there. The, you know, things were clicking. And for the first time in months, I think it was a matter of the Kings caught as many breaks as they possibly could have. And it's well-deserved because they, they, they truly deserved it. They, they played well, and... Quick played out of his mind. You said they, they caught some bounces. I think you're specifically referring to defensive luck, but I yeah. felt some of their goals were also a bit uh, fortunate. Well, yeah, the double tip in and almost offsides that <laughs> that stays onside and somehow ends up in front of the net with no one else. Leipzig buries, and then overall, it's just you know they did what they needed to do and they kept the game plan simple, which I was extremely happy about because. You know, when you're dealing with a team that's off a back to back and 
you've been outplayed the majority of the whole year, you know, sometimes it's good to just break it down, keep it simple, get the puck deep, and just go to the net hard and, and you know, put the effort in, and, and that's what we saw tonight. Jay, what did you think of the Penguins game tonight? I thought the Penguins looked tired. I think they played hard last night to, to take that win. They were down 3 mm-hmm. nothing in the first period, yep. uh, and in no way did they uh, did they skate through that easily to get that win. And so when they came in tonight and I saw them warming up, I think I texted you. I said, I think they're pretty ripe for an upset here. And they, they looked it. They looked like they just were they were gassed, whether the jet lag caught up with them or whatever. But I, I got to say, I, I'm not going to going to put this on the penguins i'm going to say that the king showed up this was a huge crowd Mm -hmm. it was exciting in here tonight there was a lot going on and that's what happens the the penguins always face the best version of the other team it people love to beat the penguins if you can beat them it's Mm -hmm. great there was a louder and more sizable penguins crowd tonight than i have seen for any team in a mm-hmm. long time. I mean, when they scored first. Yeah, that first goal, I looked at you and I said, yeah. this is the loudest I've ever heard this building for an opposing I mean, team. that's what the Red Wings fans used to be like yes. back in like 97, 98. Or totally. Chicago, when I was maybe two. like around 2010. <laughs> uh, thank you for the <laughs> reminder yet again the, of our own mortality. Um, but I mean, I, I think as crazy as this might sound, I think Pittsburgh scoring first might be the best thing that happened to the Kings in this game because – you did have an instant crowd reaction that, you know, it wasn't Kings fans booing. It wasn't Mm -hmm. Kings fans being quiet. It was the other team's fans cheering. And after that, it was all Kings for 30 minutes. I mean, and that Leipzig goal, when the first moments of the third period, which is uncharacteristic for the Kings this season. (laughs) I mean, if he doesn't get that fourth goal and, and Pittsburgh makes it three to two, I feel like maybe some of the bounces do go their way late in the third. Well, it could have been that that could have easily happened. I mean, the Penguins have a lot of weapons. They are famous for come from behind wins. They they they're just last they, night, for example. <laughs> I mean, they are. They but they do it. They do it on a regular basis, and they you know they they always have to fight for their wins because they they got a a view of the Kings that other teams haven't had, and and this this Kings team definitely showed up, and I I, I can tell you that the. I love watching the Kings play well. It's really fun. They've got great, great talent. And Carter just is one of my favorite players in the league, and he just looked awesome tonight. It was really great to see. Yeah, I mean, it is shocking how different this team looks when everybody on the Kings shows up and has a good night. Oh, totally. (laughs) It was awesome. Well, I think an important thing that we have to address is, as you mentioned, the Carter goal is it was a quick response. And, you know, at times, you know, when the – they're playing the the promo videos to get everyone in the crowds excited, and all of a sudden you hear a "Go Pens, Go Pens," you know, chant, which is you know, very odd because it's a not your building, and b it's you know Pittsburgh to L.A. It's not one that obviously right. Pittsburgh travels well because of the Crosby and Malkin and the the success that they've had over the last ten years. So you kind of knew that was coming, but we're not just down the I ninety five. Exactly, like, <laughs> that's the yeah. point. Is it's so it was weird because then all of a sudden Gensel scores and right. the building erupts, and you're kind of like, "Whoa, this is this is different." It was a lot like Vegas when they with the first game they played here. Is like all of a sudden the whole building was in Vegas, and then you get the Carter goal a few minutes later, and everything was just back to the Kings, and that's when they slowly started to gain momentum, slowly gain control of the game, and. Voila, here we are at a 5-2 to two victory, and by no means, obviously, 
Doc called it, but at the same time, you know, it's Pittsburgh who's, you know, two-time defending Stanley Cup champions as of a year ago. It was impressive. It really was. I'm happy that, you know, these guys showed up, and it's a well-deserved victory. Now, I'm going to have to go ahead and put a, uh, a cloud on this silver lining. Um, Jesse. I'm sorry. That's my job, man. Um, the way Carter scored and the, and the way he looked tonight was decisive. It was assertive. It was, you know, it was effortless hockey at some level. It was it was what you saw in 2014. It was right. what you saw in 2015. A little bit of what you saw in 2016, and what we haven't seen in 2017, 18, and now the and that's, 12 days of that's 19. The cloud is that you watch a game like this and you go, "Why not? Well, why I'm, not every night? Why not? Why are why not this Kings roster? Why are performance we in 31st night? place <laughs> yeah. when Drew Doughty, Jake Muzzin, Andre Kopitar, Jeff Carter, Tyler Toffoli, Dustin Brown? Like we go down the list, Kyler. Ty- what name Kyle am I Clifford. trying to say? Thank you, Kyle Clifford. <laughs> um, Jonathan Quick, right, who has a Jonathan Quick-type night. You know, why... To say the least. Why do we have to go through a game like the last game where the, all the quotes out of the locker room were, this is an embarrassment, this is a disgrace, there's nothing to say, we have to be better than this, blah, 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 blah. And then tonight, down goes Pittsburgh, you know, mm-hmm. basically in the second round. Um, so as, as fun and exciting and as wonderful it is to watch that, Games like this only make the decisions that this team has to make that much more difficult. Um, so it's it's frustrating as a fan to be rewarded. With, I mean, it sounds so. Talk about your first world problems. Like, oh, I was <laughs> I'm tortured by my team winning a game. But I mean, it is it's a bit annoying. <laughs> well, it is. But you know the you know the thing that that kills me about the Kings is you you do you just rattled off a bunch of guys that any other team would love to have on the roster. And look at, I mean, let's look at Tanner Pearson, for for example. He, yep. you know, gets off the Kings and goes to Pittsburgh, and he, you know, becomes a, a an important goal-scoring guy on the third line mm-hmm. and, you know, an important part of that team. So now you look at everybody else. Like tonight, Dustin Brown had a great game. He didn't do a whole lot in terms of numbers, but I was watching his, his support of, of his line mates, and he looked great. Muzzin did great. There was just so much good happening. I don't know why it doesn't happen every night. But, what is that? But that, but exactly what you bring up is, is why this win was so impressive. Now, yeah, again, Pittsburgh had to come back. They blew out Anaheim seven to one in the last half of the game. Uh, but from the Kings' perspective, Brown's not on the score sheet. Muzzin's not on the score sheet. Martinez nope. isn't on the score sheet. Dowdy's not on the score sheet. That's why this win was so impressive because. You've got guys like Carter, who's had you know nine goals this year and hasn't played particularly well, relatively speaking. Then you've got Leipzig, who has a goal. Aya Follow, who has a goal. Like that's you know, these are the role players that make teams playoff teams. And that's, Absolutely. Yeah, it's you need you know those players. You need your second and third liners to score because you know certain nights the top lines are going to cancel each other out. Crosby is going to cancel out you know Kopitar, and it's going to happen here and there the majority of times and. A lot of times the depth is is what works. Tonight, you know, Gensel has two goals. He's on the top line. Their, you know, their role players didn't have as much going on. And Leipzig and, and Iafalo show up on the second and third line and five to two victory Kings. Well, you know, and a big part of it is it's a it's a super long season. And, and these guys are definitely getting to the point where the older guys are going to start feeling it. And mm-hmm. this is where... Yep. You know, you say, oh, you know, the the Penguins have cap problems. Well, they do, except that 
it's not really showing up in the standings. They're they're still yep. making it happen. It, things are a little easier when you have the best player in the world. But it does. I it do helps. agree. I do agree. <laughs> but they do have. I mean, I just uh, I was in Pittsburgh last weekend, and uh, you know, talk. I watched them uh, beat the Winnipeg Jets for nothing. Convincingly too. Got to got to watch a period of hockey with uh, the owner, as a matter of fact, Ooh. and it was pretty cool. And we were talking about the cap problems of the uh, of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I said, "Well, cap problems or not, your your problems are still performing at a very high level." And yeah. he said, "That is very true." And I and I think they will make a cup run, despite those mm-hmm. things. But the problem is that the Kings have is exactly the same. It's the yep. same thing. You have Dustin Brown. You have Kopitar. You have guys who are aging who may or may not be able to make a big, deep playoff run. Obviously, I don't think the Kings are making the playoffs this year. No. So let's let's Jesse. let's not even talk about that. But <laughs> but at the same time, they do have a lot of – there's a lot of good here, and they still have to deal with the fact that these are their players. So I, I thought tonight shows what the Kings are truly made of. They did mm-hmm. show up as a unit. They worked together well, quick played out of his head. He stopped all those, you know, you know quick fire Phil Kessel shots and – you know, you got to you got to look at this game as a as a great night for the Kings. It's exactly what I think the majority of people that follow Kings hockey to a great degree thought we were going to see in and out this year. The roster got better, and the role players got better. You add in Ilya Kovalchuk, all these depth scores, this talent. You know, before we traded Pearson away, you know, he's a second or third line guy now. With you know, you've got. Kovalchuk up top and it's it you know Leipzig wasn't obviously on the roster prior to you know a month and a half ago but at the same time all of those players is what we thought we were going to see consistently uh, what we saw tonight you're going to you know be able to control the pace of play you know you're not going to give up you know five two-on-ones to the Pittsburgh Penguins because it's going to come back to bite you they gave up one and they scored and and beyond that they handled everything very well and everything was defensively sound you know no we we understood that Going into the season, defense was a little bit shallow, but they they played and they they performed very well tonight. And quick, as you mentioned, played on top of his head, and it's what we've seen that now has given him four hundred three hundred or four hundred and one wins now. Three hundred and one. Three hundred and one. You know, fourth all time in America goalie history. So here's my pushback to that. <laughs> to uh, all here. to all of that. <laughs> uh, we said on a recent episode that it's almost impossible to evaluate the job the coaching staff has done because we don't actually know what the expectations of the organization are and what the demands that they're placing on the coaching staff are. So Interesting. So if the co- if the if the organization says to the head coach, you know, your job is to make sure that Alex Iafalo is the best mm-hmm. Alex Iafalo he can be and we don't care about the other 20 guys, well then I'm not going to worry about where he skates Ilya Kovalchuk because that's not what he's asked to focus on. He's asked to focus on Alex Ifala. Yeah, That's just hypothetical. I don't think that's actually what was being asked of him. Now, if the organization came to him and said, we were on pace for a 53-point season, you need to maximize the, you know, the, the effort and the output of every player across the board as best as possible, then I absolutely do question you know, things like Kovalchuk on the fourth line, Leipzig on the second line. Now, to your point, Jay... Kopitar, Brown, Dowdy, Muzzin, the top players giving us effort and, and being able to go into long, deep playoff runs. These guys have only so many 
strides left in their legs. <laughs> that is exactly right. They and have a, expiration and dates. So on a night like tonight, <laughs> well, when thank you God are, those contracts aren't ending anytime soon. Yeah, right. So on a night like tonight, when you are in thirty first place, <laughs> and as much fun as I had watching them score five goals, and as much fun as everybody in the crowd had watching them score five goals, it doesn't actually matter if they win tonight. And so when nope. you look at the minutes mm-hmm. and you see Matt Luff skating six minutes and 57 seconds, yeah. Kyle Clifford skating five minutes and 57 seconds, Brendan Leipzig skating 10 minutes and 39 seconds, and you see Andre Kopitar skating 24 minutes and 28 seconds, including uh, two, and a, two and a half minutes on the penalty kill. I know. I saw that. Yeah, I, I, I definitely. Now, I grant you they scored a shorthanded goal, but again, it doesn't he scored a matter yeah. if... Yeah. They win. Yeah. So why are we not? And we say this time and time again. And there was even a quote from the coach two or three games ago saying, oh, Matt Love's a great player. It would be really great if we could get him in. But, gosh, it's oh, just so do do? hard. Yeah, it's just so hard. to. Find. He said, like, you can shuffle the bottom six and it doesn't matter. But, oh, it's just so difficult to find him toxic six minutes. And as I'm reading it, I'm thinking to myself, if only there were somebody in a position of authority to to enact your wishes, <laughs> Coach Desjardins. Like, if only you had some sort of hotline to the coaching staff that controls that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and so tonight, you see him, he finally gets in the lineup by taking Wagner out, and he plays less than seven minutes. And I just mm-hmm. say time and time again, if you're going to lose with the veterans and win the occasional game, whatever it is, one out of three games or one out of four games, mm-hmm. then send the kids to the minors, let them play, and and let this lineup, you know, if you're going to go with the oldies, then fine. Let the old guys get the results that they, you know, let them reap what they sow. And, you know, on a night like tonight, they'll win, and that's great. But what is the, I mean, Kyle, like, what is, the, I mean, and, and Kyle Clifford is not a, 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 a younger player, but why play Kyle Clifford six minutes? No, it's, like, it's and a And, I mean, point. they won, so I don't want to, like, tear it down too much, but it's just... What is the point of that? There's no you, you make a great point and I I don't think there's a, a logical answer. It, you're you're exactly on with that and you're you're right in the sense of yes, tonight was a great win. They played well. This is what we expected, but it is too late. And that's what's unfortunate because if we would have seen this, which we quote unquote should have or you know, you would have liked to, you know, 2 months ago when it wasn't too late, then yeah, this is a perfect opportunity to upset a team or you know take down a contender every year in and year out uh, but yeah it makes no sense to play matt luff a guy who needs minutes who's young who needs time to still adjust to the nhl to be able to grow and take on more authority but especially against a team like this so that you can understand you know okay you're playing Sidney crosby here's what this is going to take to be successful and here's what it takes to win. So you, you do question why, you know, the roster is where it is because, okay. So Matt Luff, who's this guy that we've brought up through the organization. Okay. Why isn't he up with, you know, Bren Leipzig, who's a guy we brought in giving a chance when, you know, who knows what his future is, but we know Matt Luff is what we want in the future. So yeah, I, I think it's, it's a great, point you bring up that that does have a lot of people scratching their heads yeah and it also you you have to think you know this year fine it's 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 cashed yeah it's so so you do need to be looking at you know what can we do this year to to make next year better and and i I am sure i'm sure that the uh 
that they're thinking, you know, which of these guys are we dealing? Which of these guys are we keeping? Those those discussions are happening right now. And, you know, we got the all-star break coming up very soon. And then the, the trade deadline is going to come upon us very quickly. Mm-hmm. So they have to look at what are they trying to achieve for next year. There's, mm-hmm. There is no hope for, for this team to make the playoffs this year. It, it would take some sort of... I saw somebody online today say, oh, it's a 10-game winning streak, and they're right back in, and I just burst out loud. Yeah, Yeah. okay. They've won (laughs) three in a row once. Uh, But to push back, and and Jay made a great point there, is assuming we're moving people at the deadline, you need them playing as well as possible and producing to the point where you can get the most out of those, you know, in terms of assets, whether it's draft picks or prospects or – you know, guys that, you know, whether it's just guys that are throwaway deals that end at the end of the year, whatever, you know, guys that, you know, who knows what we're looking at moving and who knows what we want in return. But with that said, we need the most out of that. And the only way by doing that is by playing them right now. Sure. And it's a, we still have 35, 40 games to go. So uh, 35-ish. And there's plenty of opportunity to start playing Matt Luff 20 minutes a game if that's what we want to do. Right, and why not? No, I agree completely. It's yes, why not? But the but you also still have to play guys that are making money or that are older so that if you do plan on trading them, then you can get the most out of it. And yeah. it's it's a frustrating thing to be in because a you don't want to be in this position. No. <laughs> and B it's it's holding your organization back, you know, for the next 10, 15 games because, it, you know, obviously years and years, if, you know, we continue this sequence and this type of roster and minutes, you know, divvied out. So, yeah, it, it's frustrating because you need to see more of the future and less of the now. So here's my fear. Or here's one of my fears. Um, I've got a lot of fears. I'm sure you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of them are not even some of them are not even related to hockey. Um, but here's one Please of my share. Kings related for, well, I I'm May, a, yeah, you know, we I'm get afraid personal. that I'm Homer it's... Simpson and nobody's bothered to tell me. But anyway. What the hell? Um, I don't know, what, what can I tell you? Um, so here's here's one of my fears. Uh, Velarde, at this point, I think you have to write him off, right? If he ever does play in a Kings in terms room, of... that Bunch as expectations, right? Like, I don't ever expect to see Gabe Velarde play in the NHL. He may. I hope he does. Whoa. That'd be great. Okay. But a few days ago, he was shut down by his OHL team. Yep. And the uh, and they said, we're going to sit him out and hope that he heals his back, and we'll see what happens mm-hmm. next year. Yeah, which back is such a concern. That's that two too. years in a row. And yeah. I'm, not saying, I'm not saying the organization should write him off. I'm just saying from a fan, you have mm-hmm. to stop. Just throw expecting, him, so yeah, just throw him on the side for right now. Look yeah, at like everyone else. whatever happens, happens. But yeah, I'm not carry on. right. Like yeah. I'm not penciling him. Yeah, into no, the that's yeah. So then, moving forward, uh, the way this lineup is constructed with with Trevor Lewis out and with Johnny Brodzinski out, soon returning, maybe, hopefully. Uh, there's no reason to expect heading into this year that we would have ever seen Austin Wagner or Matt Luff in the lineup. Austin Wagner had a good camp. Everybody was impressed with his mm-hmm. speed, but he was sent back. So my question is, and my fear is, are they only here because they need to fill out roster spots? And does the fact that they're being held up here on the big club and given tiny minutes, is that a sign that the organization doesn't actually expect them to be around? At the end, they are just as much of a place filler as a Nate Thompson or a Hagelin, guys that you know because their contracts are expiring, guys that you know you don't have any expectations that they're moving forward in the future. And if that's the case, if Wagner and Luff aren't a part of the future, and frankly, as much as I've enjoyed Matt Luff and as much as I've patted myself on the back for having 
what I believe to be correct. We are very <laughs> yeah, yeah. pro Matt Love podcast. But the point is, totally, if, if two, <laughs> and, and should be. But he, he, if two years player. from now, yeah. mm-hmm. Love and Wagner are not on this roster, mm-hmm. I will not be picking my job the floor because they are <laughs> fine players, but they are not Sidney Crosby. They are not Geno Malkin. Yet. <laughs> they're they're fine. Yes. So, as far as we can tell for now, they're fine support players. So if that means what I think it might mean, then the f- the next quote unquote future that mm-hmm. we are really looking forward to as Kings fans, yeah, might be Akil Thomas, might be Anderson Dolan, it might be a guy Maybe. they haven't even drafted yet. That's right. Mm-hmm. I that's, was just saying, yeah. just looking at the draft picks. That yeah, it's we're is, looking five years. That's if that's rough. what you're if, if based <laughs> on what a, yeah, yeah based on what you're saying you're looking five years. That's a tough pill to swallow. It is. It's very painful. That, so that, 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 that is, yes. my, that is one of my fears. And I think that's probably fears. reality, unfortunately. Because... I, think you're, I think you may be right. I mean, they, what, else, what else is coming through the pipeline? I mean, they, there just isn't anything brewing right now, and they don't have any signs of life in terms of a, a winning culture here just yet. <laughs> well, And then you add on the problem of, say, it's five years from now or four years from now. I mean, five is a little bit long. Okay. But maybe... Well, <laughs> five is an awful based on what you're saying – Okay. No, but look, okay, Lombardi so fine, took fine, over fine. in 2006. Yeah, yeah, they fine. won the Cup we'll in 12. So. Yeah, okay, so that's that's six, if, yeah. according to math. Uh, <laughs> but say, it's pretty good. <laughs> say best case scenario, you're looking at three. Then how old I'm not is, talking about cap contender or uh, cup, cup contender. contender. You're saying I'm what, talking about futures bright or like no, 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 playoffs? No, no, neither. I'm talking what, about I'm talking about even having an idea of who's on the team on a regular basis. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so then say you get to that point, then you have to fill in another four spots because Brown's out, Kopitar's on his way out, Carter's out, Quick's out. Yeah. It, but but here's the, but, the, but, but I guess what I'm saying is in 2000, so Lombardi takes over in 2006, and already in the system percolating was Quick, Kopitar, and Brown. Right, Brown gets mm-hmm. drafted in two thousand three. Yep. yep. Uh, Kopitar's two thousand five. Quick was also two thousand five, I think. Dowdy's two thousand eight. Yep. So after Lombardi gets there, Jeez. but I mean, he gets in there and there's already pieces, and then he puts in the bridge pieces. But you knew already when Lombardi took over, you said, okay, these, you know, there's some guys that are older that are going to move on. There's some guys that are younger, like Patrick O'Sullivan, Andre Kopitar, you know, and and he ultimately, you know, he would trade guys, right? And so, okay, that's. Right, that's what happens. A trade, one guy moves out and another guy moves in. But I'm looking at this roster, and, I, and the way we talk, we say, oh, Luff, Wagner, Walker, uh, yeah. Rempel, these guys are all part of the future. And my fear now mm-hmm. is we're watching the way these young guys are being handled. They are not being handled as if their they're expectation that. is yeah. that they're going to be part of the future. They're being handled as if they are packing peanuts that you put around precious cargo when you mail it. Like, Wagner, well, Wagner out so Luff can come in and play six minutes. That's not, it's it is not a strong no, argument it, that either player has a bright future with the organization. That itself is ridiculous because you can't play a guy who's 22 or 21 years old who, you know, let's go back to this. You know, so for anyone who doesn't, hasn't played hockey seriously or hasn't understood, like, the physical nature of, you know, the certain types of players, goal scorers who grow up or, or guys who have grown up and, and been, you know, very talented offensively they need to play a regular shift you can't there's guys who are energy guys who you know you can just throw him out there and he's a little energy ball that's going to go create opportunities just because he gets the opportunity on a fourth or third line then you have guys who have scored 50 goals in you know 50 games in whatever level they play or even more who need 
consistency. You need a guy like Sidney Crosby's, you know, if you played him seven minutes a game, you're not going to see the same type of Sidney Crosby over a 24 minute game because he needs the consistency. He needs the consistent opportunities, the way the the game is played, the feel, so on and so forth. So to me, that's more of the Matt Luff area. It's more of the Johnny Brodzinski area. Those type of players grew up playing first line everywhere they went. You can't just throw guys like that on the third line or fourth line. It's just how people need to be handled. And, you know, coaches need to understand that. And trust me, it's not like Desjardins has never coached a team or been <laughs> successful coaching. So, it, but that's what, that's what makes things so complicated or, you know, it's, you know, that's why you're like, oh, you know, you can, anyone sitting on the couch can just throw three guys together and it'll work. Well, wrong. Exactly. That's so wrong. Exactly. You know, you on your couch, you don't know better than the other person doing it. So, but that's exactly it is there's so many pieces to the puzzle that, you know, make teams successful. You know, that's why Sullivan comes into Pittsburgh and flips them around because he got the pieces right. And it's so much easier said than done. But Matt Luff's a guy who needs more minutes. You you need the consistency. You need the feel. Even if he's a young guy who's it's going to take him three, four games because he just needs to adjust to the NHL pace. So be it. Let it happen. Especially with where the Kings are in the in the in the stand. What do you have to lose? Exactly. That's right. And if you look at uh, like a comparable team that has a lot of young guys that they play a lot, or is uh, the, the Jersey Devils play uh, Heischer and they play mm-hmm. obviously Taylor Hall, who came from you know yep. came into that team last year and was MVP. You know the MVP. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he was doing nothing. Yeah, they traded for Larson. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, yeah, that's, that's what Edmonton we thought like, of him. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, but you know, Edmonton is not. Uh, well, you know, yeah, they're they such a they're such moves. a well run organization right now. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> so you know, I think that's what the you know, and and I don't know how you make these decisions if you're the coach. You know, I've, uh-huh. I've not coached any. You know, I've not. Any, I'm you know a doctor who really watches this stuff <laughs> and looks at stats like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the stats, the guys who put up the numbers, they're on the ice, and that's that is a easy one to know. So if mm-hmm. you don't put Matt Luff out there and let him play, I mean, and you, you got this Leipzig out there. He's coming out of nowhere. He's got two goals tonight. He did great. Um, Ayafalo, I think, is a guy that needs a lot more time. He's he's mm-hmm. definitely part of the future of this team. I Jesse, mean, he, yeah, he's, no Jesse agrees. Well, he's, <laughs> the, he's the present of this team. Yeah. But, I mean, before every game, Jack but, well, and oh, I – Sorry, if I could just interrupt you mm-hmm. quickly. Matt Luff has how many goals on the year? Seven. Seven, eight. And all of those came when he was playing third-line minutes. Why, what on in that area says let's give him more? Like what says we shouldn't give him more ice time? No, he, he got a small a glimpse more. of like a regular shift and started producing the second he came into the roster. It just why? It's yeah. Wagner started playing third line minutes and was creating opportunities, beating out pucks. He's a guy that you know you don't want him playing six minutes a game, but he's another guy who you can just throw into the lineup and go say. Go crazy. And just because of his speed, it's Matt Luff needs the puck. Wagner, yeah, you want him with the puck, but he can create opportunities and cause havoc. So it's just filing these guys into the right areas and, you know, maybe something sparks. But it's just it, back to the Matt Luff thing is, you know, I, I love Matt Luff as a player. Like you found him in whatever whatever camp it was. The second I saw him this year, I mean, you can attest to it, Jesse. I was like, this guy, I like this. He's a good player. And you hope he's the future because, at least from what I've seen personally, I think, A, he deserves more time on ice. And, B, again, I keep going back to the whole look at the team. Look at the standings. Just give the guys some opportunities. How many goals does Kempe have? Five. 
I mean, that to me yeah. is five uh, in the last. I, I wasn't games. sure if it was three or <laughs> yeah. four or five, but I knew it was. Well, I mean, he not. finished last year with what one in 15, 50, yeah, 40 games or something like that. Uh, Kempe, he, ha- yeah, he has underperformed. Oh, yes. Why? What is what is yep. the problem? I mean, this is somebody that I would be looking at. Mm-hmm. You know, he's either not a fit, or maybe we need he needs a different venue. That's yep. a guy is that he I look at. Package material, yeah, totally. He's because he, you've you've seen the bright spots. You've seen what he can do. But he's not doing it here. No. And okay. that's a guy that I would be looking as a he probably would would do a lot better with some different people around him because he's mm-hmm. he is a strong player. He's got a lot Jesse, of physical. Jesse you know, rolls his eyes. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I, 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 I do, too, because, I mean, I think, you know, he's just been a, such a disappointment for this team. And, you know, he should have been. Well, he should be a quick. Goal so this scorer. is a nice dovetail with the love conversation. And this is about what I was about to say to Jack a second ago. Oh, yes. Yeah, um, that's fine. Um, before every game. Jack and I meet uh, and we discuss what we're going to focus on for that game. And it's usually pretty obvious, right? If somebody had a hat trick the game before, yeah, you watch that someone guy. gets called up, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So this game, there's only one thing I said to watch. <laughs> and what was it? Second power play unit. And what was my reasoning for it? Because we have it, – it'll be fun because we yeah, have no idea what's going to happen. That's That was the only reason I said to pay attention to it because in this miserable slog of a season, I just said – at this point, I just want to pay attention to what's fun, and the second mm-hmm. power play unit is fun. And yeah. what if the first power play was out there? Who was it? A Kempe to Foley. First play, yeah, Kempe Luff, to Foley, Leipzig, and Luff, Muzzin, right? Leipzig and yeah, Muzzin. And Muzzin. The puck was moving. Yep. They were getting chances. Created two opportunities. They get off the ice. Shorthanded Empty goal. For goal. <laughs> or yeah, shorthanded goal. <laughs> but I mean, but but that's why I sort of say like. They have the players on the roster who are physically capable of executing the type of play that is fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And anytime somebody does, it's it's almost as if you are punished yeah, for being totally. fun to watch. And listen, no disrespect to Carter and and Kopitar and Brown and Dowdy and all and Quick and all the the vets, but my God, I couldn't demonstrate my frustration with this season and some of the coaching decisions and some of the personnel decisions any more perfectly than that two minute power play where the second unit came out and was exciting and fun and generated scoring chances. And then the vets, the leaders, the cup winners came out and instantly gave up a goal. And, and to your point earlier about the, they, those guys only have so many legs left. Like, I don't. I don't think any one of their careers is done. I don't think any one of them is physically incapable of nope. not competing. But for whatever reason, whether it was a chemistry mistake by bringing Kovalchuk in and you pissed off the vets, whether it was a combination of everybody getting married and having kids in the off season, whether it was <laughs> which plays a factor and I, gets beyond overlooked. I'm definitely. sure. I'm sure it is a casserole of it is. It's of, always going to be things. a combination of so many different but things for that for whatever some reason. reason the roster on paper looked better, and they got ex- beyond worse. <laughs> right. And, but this is why I say it is impossible for the fans to properly judge what the organization is doing because we don't actually know what the organization's intentions are at this point. Hey, and, and I'm not even saying that they, that they owe it to the fans or owe it to us to explain themselves or to come out publicly. Right, The Rangers had that letter. Was it last season or two yeah. seasons ago where they said, last hey, season. everybody, we're done. We're calling it a yeah. year. Like, sorry. Last year. <laughs> they, threw, they literally threw yeah. in the towel. Like, I'm not like, sure that that's. away the, the top players. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the proper rebuild. response. I'm just saying from from my perspective, having to sort of generate this 
constant drum of content over this thing. Like, I don't even mm-hmm. know what to say anymore because yeah. I don't know what the expectations are. And that's why it's difficult to get excited about a win like this because, unfortunately, it. we're trapped in a league that, that rewards failure. Yeah. Um, and so... Lose yeah. for Hughes. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, I don't want... I don't like it. I don't want it. But I would be foolish not to say this com- this combination of players currently on the roster would yield... A handful of first round picks, a handful of second round picks, and a ton of cap space. Because it does. And two or three years from now, we could be back in comp. Like, yeah. it's, I would rather, no. I would rather believe in what I see happening, which is well, if we just give the vets more playing time, and no. if we just keep waiting for them to turn it around, it'll happen. Like, it'll happen. But it's not thirty first to fifteenth. Yeah. So I'm sort <laughs> of like forced no. to root for the opposing losses, team losses, and it's terrible. Well, you know, the thing is that when they flip these contract negotiations around the the old guys basically box themselves out of this league they made it so Mm. that the young cheap fast players control the the game and so it changed the entire character of the game Mm -hmm. it went to a speed game and so the old guys now have you know very real expiration dates you could have played to 38 39 you know 37 or whatever much more regularly but now by the time the guys are 32 or 33 they're out of this game they are they are smoked by by the young guys who are moving at very high speed. I don't even well, necessarily think that they couldn't play. It just becomes a question of value, right? Like, yeah. Value plus money. I yeah. mean, right. you're going to have right. yeah, every every team has a not to the degree of how good Sidney Crosby is, right. but every single team has three or four guys that center, are making, right. yeah. you know, six Most million dollars, five million dollars, eight million dollars, ten million dollars. Nowadays, you become a genius GM if you have four guys that are on rookie contracts. That are putting up numbers because that's the that's that right now is the recipe for success to win a cup. That's right. I don't know. I feel like we've been awfully negative for a win. So let's go. <laughs> let's can go can ahead. I give you guys a little bit of hope in yes. the X factor at the end of the season that no. that is you going try, to try. But I'm no. going to try. Here's yep. the, here it is. The, Jesse's not going to listen, but I'm yeah. here. This is an expansion year. So some player of high value could be plucked out of. And and make a little year. cap space next year. Oh, it's yeah. next year. It's not yeah. this. It's not the end of this year. It's the next year. Oh, I thought it was this year. Just when oh, we. Oh my god. Well, yeah. I maybe, thought it was going to be. We'll in get June. set back again. <laughs> oh, we got to wait another year for that. Another year. Yeah. Well, which is again why I. I don't. I, that's not going to work in our favor. Uh, well, no. But it I mean, will. It will work in your favor because you'll be able to take. Like remember, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights were very much considering Dustin Brown. For instance, allegedly, yeah, yeah. yeah. no, they, yeah, I mean, allegedly, yeah. Well, so, yeah, I guess you can say allegedly. So if if Dustin Brown gets plucked out of there, that makes you some cap space. For I don't, real. but here's the crazy thing: I don't want him. Well, you don't now. want, but there, <laughs> yeah, but he's there's, looking there's good. Somebody, there's somebody else he's that's like, going to be getting paid like too much. Top hey, you two can, players, hey, we, I would say. Hold no, on. Dustin's amazing. Yeah, I would definitely than, keep him. Other than the move clauses, we choose who we protect. No, so. but that's the crazy thing: is that let's say they let's say the decision is made to hold on to Quick because he's Jonathan Quick, and why would you get rid of him? That's absurd. If you keep Peterson and Quick, at the end of next season, one of them has to be exposed. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, between the Kovalchuk deal and the expansion draft, yeah. there is all of this incentive to move bodies because you don't have options. And that's just to put this in people's brains for the next you know, year and uh-huh. four or five months. That'll be interesting because teams will start strategizing on. Oh yeah! All right, we need we can protect eight players. We need to start moving because it'll be a combination of teams at the bottom that are like, all right, we have our eight, and teams that are still trying to win a Stanley Cup that are gonna 
wholesale to get everyone they can for this and then knowing that you know well we, we don't need to keep everyone so keep that in mind for another year and f- five months i guess uh, it's out there I yeah mean, but, you yeah. know that's the thing is that those you know for a team like the kings it's relevant for you know and i guess for a team that's really doing great it's also relevant you know if you're mm-hmm. if you're the winnipeg jets for instance you know you've got a lot of yeah. young talent and it's like okay, lock so it up, who, do, who do we mm-hmm. who do we protect here because you don't get to protect you know 12 guys you get to protect seven mm-hmm. and that that's going to be it's a good problem but yeah it's it is still a problem <laughs> it, it is but i mean it's one of those things where when you run your franchise properly you can translate like let's take uh toronto for example they've got too many guys that De- they're too in much trouble money. yeah <laughs> they here, are definitely but here's trouble. but here's the easiest solution to that problem Hey, mm-hmm. anybody in the league, you want Mitch Marner? Yeah. yeah. Okay, give us give us five <laughs> guys making eight hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollars and a couple of first round picks. Problem solved. Yeah, and you've gotten true. better by doing it. What you mm. don't want to do is is sadly what the Kings did, which was, hey, we're sitting on top of the world. Let's start handing out gigantic contracts to guys that are over the hill and can't ever live yeah, up to them on their way down yeah and i'm talking about marion gabrick to be clear not yeah, not, not anyone any, here yeah, that we're anyone yeah. um so anyway uh, we're gonna have to wrap it up soon but yep. let's do the player of the game play of the game jack we'll start with you play of the game play of the game i'm gonna take the carter goal because i, I really think it flipped the switch okay you had a pro pittsburgh crowd at the time and although i'm just gonna bring this out of random can you challenge your own offsides because it wasn't offsides from pittsburgh they just didn't call it because it hit the Pittsburgh player in the that's, zone that's on a delayed off point. Um, <laughs> just something to look into. Uh, uh-huh. Tweet at Jesse if uh, no, no. Tweet at Jesse's <laughs> tweet, tweet Insta- at or no, tweet at Jesse <laughs> if uh, you find the answer. Uh, but I'll take the Carter one because I think it, it, you had the uh, a rowdy crowd in the, in the wrong way at the time, and that flipped the switch. I, I really do think that it, it brought everyone back to to the Kings. It brought them. Back to a calming level because I think, you know, all of a sudden Pittsburgh's got two in the first period. It could have just kind of escalated and snowballed. So I think the Carter one, uh, it was old, not old. It was younger. Uh, It was vintage, younger Jeff Carter. And it was just good to see because that's exactly what we're used to seeing, at least when we were successful. Jay, play of the game. Well, I mean, I thought the Carter goal was the strongest, but instead of instead of saying the play of the game, I'm going to go to the multiple plays of the game of Jonathan Quick, and I'm going to yeah. I'm going to I'm going to package all of his goaltending into some really outstanding play, and he mm-hmm. robbed some big name guys of, of goals tonight, and I can't think of which one was the most exciting. So <laughs> I'm going with the play of the game is Jonathan Quick stopping the Pittsburgh Penguins because he really. He kept them in the game, allowed them to win. Yeah, I'll go with the eye of follow goal uh, just because at that point it's one-to-one. Could go either way, right? The Carter goal was a sort of bolt of lightning. You know, Carter-esque, just out of nowhere, decides, oh, I'm going to score now, and he does. But the eye of follow goal was really <laughs> Jeff Carter doing the work, right? I think it went in off his hip or whatever it was. Yeah, it sh- yeah, breezers and but it, But it sort of demonstrated, like, no, that was a bolt of lightning goal, but we are here to keep scoring. Uh, and they on did. top of that, he's in yeah. the right area, yeah. and he had the positioning correctly. Yeah. He was obviously assuming the puck was going to go to his stick, but he was in the right position. And hey, you know, we'll take the bounces again. Yeah. As I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, this is the first time in a long time that the Kings have gotten yeah. all the bounces and deservingly so. So then, really quickly, Jack, player of the game, uh, as Jay alluded to, it's got to be Jonathan Quick. It, this he looked yeah. like 
the the Jonathan Quick that we have seen for so many years at a healthy rate. And again, all the plays that he made, every time he just stood on his head. But as uh, Jesse and I were talking about earlier uh, in the game, he was very controlled. He wasn't flying all over the place. He wasn't, you know, behind the net making, you know, a bunch of weird passes that he sometimes can do. It was it was very just focused. He was controlled. He was you know, he played within his game, and he he can get outside of that. And today he stayed within it, and, and that's why I think he played so well. So that is going to do it for tonight. For Jake Albert, Doctor Hockey, for Jack Jablonski, my name is Jesse Cohen. Thanks for listening, Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.